go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Welcome to Spanish Aki Presents. It's the whole of Spanish Aki Presents here. The whole of it is like here to wh- say. The whole of it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I heard whole. I heard hueco. Where? As opposed to <laughs> the <laughs> half of it. ¿Qué estás metiendo? ¿Qué? I'm listening. Hey, listening. Welcome, mira, hey. welcome. The whole, the whole of SAP is here to say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the whole of... <laughs> everybody what's up guys oh man we out here what's up i mean there's a lot going on in the world right now i think you know Mm -hmm. did you guys by the way did you guys hear about this thing that might be happening in 10 years because of the moon what Uh, oh my god so what happens changes right werewolves and and in the yeah werewolves werewolves are going to be a thing now um in the Earth, then the moon's orbit in 10 years' time, it's gonna like Wobble. shift a little bit. It's like it, it like it's gonna be a like it's gonna stutter a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's gonna affect a lot of the Our sea, moons. obviously. Oh, and it's yeah. gonna cause a lot of floods, uh, a lot of tsunamis. But it's been happening slowly, like to a lesser degree. It's happening slowly, it's happening slowly, but <laughs> in 10 years' time, it will be a problem. You guys, the world is so bad. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, and the moon too. So it's it's been the moon. It, it hasn't been climate change. It's been the moon oh. all along. I mean, not I'm <laughs> sure climate change has something <laughs> to do. I'm with sure it. some people will be like, see, <laughs> yeah. it's not real. Climate change deniers. I'm like, it's the you. moon. Look. It's Mercury in retrograde. Okay. I told you, Carlitos, Wait, just retrograde, retro- <laughs> retrograde. I call retrograde. it Mercury in reggaeton. Um, uh-huh. oh my okay, God. Carlitos, just tell everybody that you're a flat earther already. Just tell them. Oh my God. Wow. I'm, a, I'm, a dome, I'm a dome tequila. earther. I'm a dome earther. Yes, okay. okay what is that? It's like a curve in the top, but flat in the bottom. Don't oh. joke like that, Carlos. People are going to think you're no, serious. People will come after me. I'm joking. The world. <laughs> hey, we are uh, like, also like, didn't we, the billionaires go up in space? Did, could they confirm if it's a... Uh... Where are they? Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, what? Like, what are you going to do there? Like, what are you going to do there? Please tell me what Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are going to do when they're Bezos. Ahí. Jeff Bezos. What's his name? I mean, oh, what is it? Did I say it no, wrong? Nothing more. No, than, I, love, oh. I love that you said it that way. I bro. I, look, we give shit to rappers <laughs> yeah. for flexing on Instagram. And yes. that's essentially what they did. They, yeah. All of them were like, okay, here we go. Instead of wearing a watch, a watch and chains, it's like, bro, come check out my fucking rocket. I'm going to space next weekend. Like, what? <laughs> you know how rappers have that stack of cash in their ear and they're like, hello, hello? That's literally what they did. But <laughs> to me, it just feels like the ultimate. You know what? This is like toxic straight guy energy Ugh, to so me. Much, so because much. it is such a little, like, it's such a dick flex. Because the, even the ship that they flew out on is is well, literally I mean, shaped is like ship. a dick. Yeah, it is phallic, incredibly phallic. It's like, okay, babe, I know you're compensating. It's like someone with a muscle car, and you know, honey, we know you have a little pene. Tiene un chiquito y comida. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at little penises. But, but they don't think it's okay. So. But they don't think it's okay, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. That's mm-hmm. on them. They need to learn the motion for their oceans. 
Speaking oh, of ocean. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. The moon. <laughs> okay. Right? See, uh-huh. I, I brought that back without yeah. even trying. Pretty flower. Uh-huh. Mira. <laughs> you guys, um, I have a, a pika for us today. Okay. Okay. Been wanting to Speak do this. On it. <clears throat> I've been wanting to do this for a couple recordings, but I wanted to make sure that we were all here. Mm-hmm. Um, so as many of you know, Cuba is a hot mess right now. Um, mm. We are recording this. I'm just going to say the date. It is July 29th when we are recording this episode just because stuff changes within the hour and sometimes stuff changes within the day and the weeks and whatever. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, you have, we have Tuku Anitas on the podcast and I thought it was really, it would be important to like at least just like speak on it. And, you know, it, and it also give it some information, too, because a lot of people don't even know yeah. what's going on in Cuba right now. Yeah. Tony, do you want to do you want to give a little or do you wanna, I'm like, I can, too. I don't. It's up to you. <laughs> I I mean, it, they're sort of like um, historic, unprecedented protests mm-hmm. um, going on on the island. Um People aren't in favor I mean, for or you, against what specifically? This is the first time people are protesting. Protesting yeah. freedom. Um, well, they did have a protest, I believe, in 1994 as well. That was another time that it happened, but it immediately got shut down because uh, I will say I think social media, as much as we hate it, social media is what is helping Amplified. amplify all the situations all over the world, you know, Haiti, Nicaragua, mm-hmm. Venezuela, Colombia, Puerto Rico, like we've seen it, like we talked about Puerto Rico when stuff was going down, like we've talked yeah. about other places, but, um, you know, definitely it's, it's, yeah, sorry. I'm like, I, but yeah, so in no. It was a lot easier to control it back then. Yeah. The people in power right. for it to control in 94, yeah. but this time around it was a little different. And so people are protesting. They're yelling, Patria y Vida. Sorry, Patria y Vida. And right, which is a direct response to let's say the communist man islands what was the slogan it was patriotism or death yeah right patria mm-hmm. muerte uh-huh. so this is exactly the opposite mm-hmm. um it's a, basically it's become a humanitarian crisis right yeah. people food medicine people are dying and they're not getting the healthcare that they need there's a pandemic and, and correct pe- yeah there's no vaccines even though they keep saying that russia gave them vaccines who knows what who how they're even like taking accountability for it because i it's just it doesn't make any sense and yeah so okay so we pretty much shed light on kind of what is happening at the moment here 2021 in cuba um tony and i went to the protest the first one that they had here on july 12th in la Mm -hmm. the the first protest in cuba was in july 11th the day before Mm -hmm. um and it's, I mean, it's so, I, I like, I'm not going to get so much into like, you know, specifics and facts, because I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people can also, you know, do their own research as well, because it would take up the whole entire podcast to really talk about it. But mm. I will say it's, it's very telling uh, to me as a Cuban a woman from Miami, was not born there, has been to Cuba before. And, you know, seeing how everybody has really come together, the Cubans at least, to like speak up and talk about this and like unite. Because again, sure, there's not that many, you know, Cubans all over, but it's interesting to see us all like get together and fucking talk about this and like see how we can help each other out and support each other and amplify and and whatnot. So um yeah, I'm like there's a lot of things that we've been posting. Um, Tony, how are you, how have you been feeling like the past couple weeks? Um, I mean, it's kind of emotional. It's 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 um, it's really sad, and um, but it's also inspiring in a way. 
Um, for my part, real quick, I'll say that my father left the island in 1962 on the Pedro Pan. Uh, program which flew children who didn't have families to land in the states and his family stayed behind my grandparents my uncle and aunts they never left the island um but i did get to see them as children when i would visit so i had some relationship with them but they've all passed away since then so i don't have any remaining relatives on the island now my relative my cuban relatives are now in florida on the one hand it's sort of like this like human empathy thing like people are, are, are people are dying people need food and um We've heard for years about, of course, this communist regime, whether it's from our families, Raiza, or just, you know, from what we know. Yeah. Um, like, I know uh, cousins of my father's that were like, they fought for Batista and then they were like imprisoned. People, cousins that were in jail that survived firing squads, these kinds of horrible, horrible things. That I don't think we hear about too much um, because these are stories that are sort of like leaked through family and relatives yeah. and first-person accounts because they have such a control over the media. And the government has such a control over the guns, um, which is also the scary thing. I, um, I was in Florida a week and a half ago talking to my father, and I asked him what he thought about this. And he said it's... He's, he said it's... He, I'm, I'm just putting this... This is his perspective. He feels like it's not going to end mm. well because the government's going to do what they've always done. And we've started hearing reports now of people being on the island, being taken in the middle of the night, which is stuff that the, the government has always done mm-hmm. to, to, to squash dissent. Um, and it's scary, and it's almost... Uh, we want to be able to help, but it's sort of like, what can you do? The embargo does not limit humanitarian aid. Um, you know, people have been, but the island will blame the embargo. Because, re- well, regardless. that's the other thing, too, you know, yeah. from someone who isn't Cuban, the perspective is so sort of mutated because a lot of people who are getting this information, it thinks the embargo is to blame. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, they did just repurpose the original thing that started it to fit a narrative, and nobody's actually listening to the thing, which I think is what always happens. Yeah, and it's not quite right because it's not, it's about the people, you know what I mean? And, and it's, there's a huge disconnect. I mean, you know, what's so weird is that the Black Lives Matter movement released a statement and mm. it was so incredibly tone deaf that I was mm-hmm. just like truly in shock. Mm. I appreciate you it. as our Afro Latino on the podcast saying that because like reading that shit, like that shit broke me. I was like, damn, like that sucks. And I feel like I can't even say something, but like right. I can call it out. You know what I mean? Like it's. It just sucks to be like, fuck, I did so much. And it's not like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But just to be like, I feel like I like, I like always like, I'm like, I'm going to cry because I'm like, I feel like I'm always posting about everything. Yeah. Fucking like the Middle East, the fucking, all the Latin, like the Latin American countries, like everything for Black Lives Matter. Like all my Asian friends, like when all the hate, like, I'm not saying that like you have to do it. I understand that the biggest thing for me is like, I understand so many people come to me or like they don't know how to like ask like they're all like and I get it like I'm really like scary sometimes on like my responses but it's just like it comes with like mad heat and passion for my like my my opinions and what I believe in and I think that it sucks when people just won't read a couple things read some articles like do your do your research before I posted anything about the Middle East I fucking did my research just because you know I don't know uh somebody I follow that I know is super cool and like famous posts about it no like I'm gonna make sure that I do my research and I think it's it's been a little disheartening to see that like I I've I've had like 
you know, Mexican friends, all different types of people like into my DM and like immediately coming in, coming at me saying it's because of uh, it's blaming the conservative Cubans or the Cubans. Oh, that's your people from Miami or like all these things. And it's mm. like, I think people need to like go a little bit like stop thinking about politics when it comes to this shit. Like we're just, we're just talking about fucking human lives. Like how would you right. like it if your fucking 13 year old little brother was pulled out by the fucking U.S. Army in the middle of the night, dragged by his fucking feet as his nails try to fucking hold on to whatever the hell he can. And they throw him into jail if he says he doesn't want to fight against his people on the street that are protesting for liberty, which that child also wants. And they're literally, they're cutting off limbs of these boys. Oh, you don't want to do it? Okay, fine. Dale. Juanito, ven pa' acá. Cut him. And they're just yeah. doing that. They're like, and it's like, people think like, oh, well, fuck them. They didn't want to help the Mexicans with the border, the, these Republican, and they didn't want to help the black. And it's not like, I understand that. I'm not saying that that's okay. But I'm also saying like, just because some people suck, like, like, well, it's a bit truth. dismissive, isn't it? It's it, like we acknowledge, yeah. but we're not willing to do the work to try to heal the problem. Um, yeah. And that's to me the, the embarrassing thing about being caught in the middle of all that. It's like this weird thing of like, okay, so are we so, so segregated as groups that we won't even look at the bigger picture here? Like, this mm -hmm. is a human rights affair, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll also say this, like, the Cuba thing is like, it's so triggering because literally weeks before the Cuba thing happened, there was a massive political upheaval in Colombia that Columbia. no nobody talked, talked about. about. I remember posting and, about it, but nobody talked about yeah, it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Well, because first of all, if you want to know the Colombia thing, go listen. Yeah, I'm in. A, I'm a guest in a podcast called Lost in America. I give a full hour dissertation on what is going on Good. with the uh, Colombian crisis at the moment. But What's funny is that any information that I had that I shared to uh, the people on Instagram was immediately taken down. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was like the somebody was meddling with with censoring what's going on in Colombia. So oh, a lot of the God. reason why people don't talk about it, don't have that information is because the information is being taken away, mm -hmm. which is what happened with every sort of like sort of like human rights. Yeah especially international human rights affair, mm -hmm. that's what happened. This highly censored stuff in the U.S. No one talks about that some of their posts are going through, but not all of their posts, you yeah. know? Yeah. And the reason why is that there's, there, the, you know, we think hashtags are a great and powerful thing. We've learned the power in the hashtags. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes hashtags is a way to filter out information. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. SOS yeah. Cuba is a huge hashtag. That's how I'm that's how I'm getting personally all of my information. But what if people were going through and deleting any post, any information that anyone had yeah. with the SOS Cuba hashtag in it? Yeah, big people, big people have been like so there's a lot of um like activists that I like started following that again I didn't even know like existed because Nobody was talking about it. And like, it's so wild yeah. because I remember like in an earlier podcast, me bringing it up. I feel like I haven't heard about Cuba and COVID. Like what's going on? I messaged yeah. my friend. I could never hear back from him that lives in Cuba. Like I had WhatsApp and didn't hear back then. Like I literally just recently talked to him and he was just like, yeah, like we we don't have like they don't there's no internet. There's no like they're like nobody won. Like it's like the people that are getting internet, it's like super like they're just I mean, mira, los cubanos los resuelven. So like they're I don't know yeah. even how it's happening. Mm -hmm. And or how they get these devices because you also need the device. It's all yeah. it's, it's literally like like, oh like it's 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 
it's wild because I think of like Orange is the New Black, like when they would like mm. hide the phones and like the fucking yeah. like cement and shit like that and whatever. Like that's how like I feel like when I see some of these videos too and stuff. And, you know, it's it's there. There are there is a lot of politics to this. Sure. Like Cuba mm-hmm. being free is a whole other hot mess like yeah. of, of figuring out what that is. I, Raisa, I'm, I don't, I don't know what that answer is. I look, I look to my like public officials and like the people above to like. That's a big ass question, isn't it? And like, yeah. once we start dismantling individually, that's like overwhelming. So mm-hmm. overwhelming. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, there's so much work. I mean, there's so much work. These people have been brainwashed. They have been brainwashed that the U.S. doesn't want to help and it's like no like the u.s has actually been giving like the stuff right but like they don't get it the government keeps it and like Mm -hmm. i know people that have said oh my prima lives you know my prima my prima uh her husband works in the military they have a fucking badass fucking house they live well military and tourism Uh uh-huh and then then but then but then her la hermana de ella lives in you know regla and you know which is in cuba like it's considered like a pretty like uh quote-unquote ghetto neighborhood is literally what they told me when i was there and i you know i mean i had no idea but it was just one of those things that it's like to hear those things and it's like oh of course the military lives good so like okay we open it up and then what happens and then you have all these other people talking about cuba that like like you don't have family there you've never talked about cuba and you're you're number one like you're like i don't even know like you're not you're not speaking from a place of like being there which i think is the biggest thing that like i've also been trying to help is like amplifying the voices of the people in cuba which is why we did a fundraiser last Mm. week carlitos went to it um and uh alex fumero chris garcia and i jenny lorenzo and a bunch of other cuban um artists kat dalia also um performed and um it was it was like emotional. Like we showed videos of like the people like they, they showed they put they played voicemails of people in prison. Again, I don't know how they're doing this, but they're getting literal fucking recordings of like the, the imprisoned artists, because a lot of the people don't know this. But artists, the Afro Latino Cuban artists in Cuba, they're the ones that started this shit. Like not the fucking mm. white passing motherfucking Cubans, not the Cubans that just have whatever job. That, no, like the artists, because their artistic stuff like that like was being um it was being censored like and they were protesting Mm. and there's been so many people that have been protesting for such a long time but because they are artists it's like ah, nobody cares about them right we'll just throw them in prison and like there's people missing like youtubers are missing they have youtubers from cuba that have been talking about this and like they're just gone like nobody knows where they are Mm -hmm. and i i just don't understand like when people come into like my dm or anybody of my other cuban friends because we've been sharing screenshots of other of shit that people have been saying to us and it's like like bro okay fine like whatever like don't like care what i say i'm a kuanita that's fucking out here in la fucking you know living a very fucking good life in comparison to these people in cuba but like at least go to the polls and listen to the videos of these people like that's Mm -hmm. all i'm asking well i think also that the other thing too is is the Cuba that is presented on media and like that touristy Cuba that a lot of Americans know about Mm -hmm. versus actual real Cubans, Mm -mm. you know, and how there is a giant disconnect, you know, Uh, that Cuba that you see the beautiful beaches and the nice buildings or whatever. That's like 
the Cubans for tourists, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say that also speaking as a Colombian. No, it's go, true. You know, people are talking about Cartagena. It's like, I've never fucking been to Cartagena. Yeah. I don't know those places, right? Mm-hmm. Those places are super whitewashed and they're not for us. They're not for the people that live there, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. The people that live there know the country in a completely different light. Yeah. So to me, like a, a, a thing that sort of irks me, and I don't know if, if it's Carlos, Riza, and Tony, if you also agree with this, but like, well, People will say like, oh, my gosh, like Colombia is not like you say it is like because yeah. I'm from Palmira that, that where I grew up. It was like there was no paved roads like my house faced a landfill like it was mm. like I knew poverty growing up. Mm. So like it's like, oh, wait, but like I've been to Colombia and it's not that it's like no oh fucking shit. Like you're a it's like going to Acapulco and be like, well, this is exactly I, what I thought Mexico is. I've never traveled anywhere in the world and gone to one city and gone and thought, I know the country. Yeah. I know it all. Yeah, they're good. I've not once. Yeah, yeah. I know this block that I saw in this city. And also, like, again, like, because it is a communist country, these people cannot, they can't talk. They can't talk yeah. about it. When I was there, I would, like, and the thing is, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was, like, trying to, like, not do bits, but, like, you know, like, we would become friends with the people that, you know, we were with. Like, we would bring them with us. They'd come and eat, like, whatever. Like, and it was one of these things that were, like, I would try to, like, even in the car, me, like, with one, like, one of the guys. I, I mean, I drove a car when I was in Cuba from, like, Havana to Viñales for, like, an hour. I drove one of the fucking cars. They, the guy let me drive it. And he was, and it was, like, I was, because I kept bothering him, like, I'm, like, asking him questions and stuff, like, about, because I'm just, I'm there. I'm, like, this is, like, I want to mm. know, like, what the fuck is really going on, bro? And they were so nervous. Es que no querían. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the guía literally, like, my, like, my guy, like, he was just, like, he, like, had to, like, kind of, like, he's, like, like, I know, like, you're really curious. Like, I get it. And, like, he's a journalist. He's, like, but you have to understand, like, right. these people are terrified because there's also snitches. Well, they could be traps. There's snitches. There's snitches in every neighborhood. Yes, there's yes, fucking snitches. Yes. And if they find out that you have one more bag of rice, que fulana de tal in the building, you know, next door, bro, they'll come and they'll fucking take your rice and they'll fucking take your, your beans and they'll take your other shit and be like, mira, you, you got a little bit of extra. Now we're going to take the rest of it. Fuck you, palapinga. Yeah. Like, I've seen videos where it's like people haven't had water for 11 days. I want to know what fucking American in the U.S., what they would do right now if our government did not provide water for five days. And it was not like a hurricane or like a fucking natural mm-hmm. disaster that was the reason. People mm-hmm. would be While revolting. the military has it. While like... Exactly. Yeah. While the others have not, it. Right. And that's the thing. Like, people are not really putting yourself in their shoes. And I think, like, that's a big, big thing that I try every time. Every time. And I've said this to you guys all the time. Like, when... I've had men make, you know, comments to me, whether they're a Trumpy or this, whatever. And I'm like, okay, like, well, you have a daughter. Yeah, I voted for Trump. Okay, cool. Like, what about your daughter? No, whatever. Fuck it. She'll vote for Trump, too. I'm like, cool. So, like, you know, like, if Trump said, you know, he wanted to grab her pussy or he whatever, he could grab her pussy. That's okay, right? Because you voted for Trump. So you're okay with Trump grabbing your daughter's pussy as long as she's like of age, right? Like, that's cool. 18. Bro, on their fucking faces. Se ponen que se mueran. And I'm like, again, Put yourself in the shoes of a woman. But that's cognitive dissonance. And that's the problem with, you know, that's the that's mo- yeah. the main problem with most most problems. I think right now in the current modern world start from, with cognitive dissonance, yeah, like believing the- shit that's against the the what is it to vote or to make decisions that go against you as a person or, you know, yeah. or, or as you as a. As a human, I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. Crazy. I mean, I know I've talked a lot, obviously, but I like, uh, I, I also think like it's even extra emotional for me because I do have a lot of history with my family in Cuba. We don't have family there because of the history. You know, my Tio Nino, he, 
he fought against Batista. He was one of the 12 comandantes that was fighting under Raul Castro and helped make Fidel Castro like become in power, right? Because again, we all thought that he, they, you know, they thought he was better, gonna be better than Batista. And mm-hmm. it sucks because it was like you're, it, it literally just became just as evil and actually worse, like whatever, different times, sure. Can't compare, but um, I, I, I've been listening to this shit my whole life. Like, since I was in my mom's belly, I've been listening to these stories. And, like, my Theo Nino fucking, when he left, when he, they had to escape. Like, my dad had to leave Cuba because they were going to kill him and the rest of the family. And he was a little fucking kid. Like, he had to leave. They had to go to New York, start again. They don't, they, you know, like, this immigrant life that we all know, like, you don't speak English in Cuba. You go to another country and, like, they're treating you like, you know, you're a fucking cucaracha. And, and, like like just like all the hard work that they did and even like my Theo Nino like has a book and everything because he wrote about like how he he literally tried he so he like even like joined the rebels to try to take down the the Castros and everything and like Fidel long story short like this guy like once like hit him up uh and like my Theo Nino was like oh like when he was already living in Miami and Cuba skin, he was like, oh, um, I want to I want to talk to you. I want to help you take him down because like legit, like my Theo Nino had like he was planning shit to like they can, you know, there was Cubans that they were trying to like go and like free Cuba themselves. <laughs> and so mm. the guy came and straight up fucking shot him in his door because he was mm. someone that was sent by Fidel's people to be like, oh, we know that you're fucking leading this shit. We're going to get you first. And then my Theo Nino's son, Kikito, had to go. Go get a fucking, my, he had a fucking machine gun or something else. He grabbed the gun and gave it to him to like, it was like, what the fuck? This is happening in Kibis Game. Like, that's like a bougie air. Like, every time I would go there for Christmas Eve, for Nochebuena, I will never forget. My brother Rafi oh would God, lift up the, the mat and show me the blood stains because the blood stain, it stained on like the like stone, like of the walkway or whatever, because it was all white. So, yeah. So, just to give you like, just like a really quick tidbit of the shit that like, I've been hearing my whole life. Cut to now, my Theo Nino, you know, he's fucking in his what, like late 80s? And like, I don't, I wonder how he feels. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, how does it feel to see like these people like fighting for mm. what you were fucking trying to fight for 62 years ago? Still, yeah. Still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, um, conversely, when I was in Miami, I don't know if, if this is a little snapshot of what was going on there. It felt like another world completely. Yeah. Uh, but there's like y- the younger generation that has been hearing these stories. I'm going to say the younger, I'm going to say people in their twenties. Yeah. Let's say who, who are conservative leaning Cuban. Um, like a few weeks ago, protesting and supporting Ron DeSantis, the governor mm. for like, sort of like criminalizing protests. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In response to black lives matter. Yeah. And then this was happening and, in full force, this is on the, on the local news. I did not go there in person, mm. but like young people calling for like military action. Biden, uh, you know, needs to go in there. And I was jarring just like from week to the previous week. Uh, someone was saying these same people were like were against Black Lives Matter protests. And now this is happening. And it's um, it's I guess it's back to what Oscar was saying earlier about. I think you were saying about politicization of like these human rights issues, which everything in America is filtered down through these. Like, I feel like sadly, even COVID, we've seen it with the pandemic. Literally every single thing has been partisanized. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, I don't. So then these real problems with with 
with hard, where there's no easy solutions to any of these things. Mm. How do you even approach solving them? And also like, what is the solution? You know, like I think in terms of like generationally in our genes and our spirits, you know, as Latina, like our souls are tired, dude. Like we're like, you know what I mean? We grew up with all of this pain, you know, like we all come from different countries but what connects us as Latina is like the beauty of where we come from. Mm-hmm. Where we come from is Cuba is fucking beautiful. There's so mm-hmm. much orgullo from that place. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, same. Mm-hmm. Colombia. There's so much to be proudful of. But then you marry that with like the political unrest for all of these countries involved. The history covered in blood. We mm-hmm. have them emblazoned on our flags. The bloodshed lost for our independence. That doesn't end. Mm. We're still fighting. And that's tiring. Yeah. That's, I'm, t- you know, I'm t- politically speaking, I'm fucking exhausted. You mm. know what I mean? Fighting my own fights, fighting other people's fights, like grieving, c- collectively grieving, collecting, collectively sharing uh, our traumas together. That is healing in a way, but uh, that's exhausting work. Yeah. You yeah, know, like yeah. what would be the best case scenario? Would you like, well, that's, what that's I'm saying the tricky is that, part. like, well, I mean, not to sound all doom and gloomy, but like, is there, is there a solution? Is there a solution? Will there be a rubber, like a not a rubber band, a band-aid put on this problem? And then 10 years later, we're back at square one again, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I heard in a panel where someone made a comment. I was like, yeah, like I I get that. And like every they were talking about it was all Cubans. And um the the there was one Afro-Latino Cubano that was there, and he was like, you know, one of the biggest things that worries me is of Cuba being free, you know, given that libertad, okay, take down, you know, the communist regimen, whatever. He's like that there were, that he has, you know, spoken with other friends where it's like, yeah, like we worry like about like, is this going to become like what happened in Mexico where like, you know, it just become came, it started becoming run by like the cartel, that kind of, you know, like, because again, like the the people that are going to have the money to run for anything are again, going to be the people that still are fucking shit up. So like yes. there, there's gotta be, I don't like, I don't, again, I, I don't, I don't ever want to speak. Like I know um, any of the facts of these things. I don't know. Like there should be some fucking like UN peace treaty ass motherfucker ambassadors like to like help, like be like, this is what humans need to like, <laughs> again, I might be wrong. I, I have no idea, but like, I think that's no, like an ideal. But, but, but idea. Rosa, I think, I think that's I, to tie it right back to the Cuban situation. And I think this is like the biggest issue of like this sort of like uh, Internet activism that's happening, which is very welcome. Yeah. And it's how big movements start. But there is the double edged sword of this, of the misinformation that is being mm-hmm. spread, mm-hmm. the political versus the human rights aspect of this fight. Yeah. Mm. The Cuban crisis is a human rights violation. Yes. The people are struggling and I think a lot of people are ignoring the human rights aspect of it and looking at it politically, yeah. the embargo yes. aspect of it. Yeah. Right? I, like, let us not forget that every political act is a human rights act underneath it all. It's good mm. to s- look deeper than what you think it is, right? Sometimes the work is like, okay, I can blame it because let's be real, that's what's happening. Let me blame it on some political aspect of this government when in fact they're not willing to do the work of like 
actually looking at a Cuban face to face and seeing the pain of their day to day. That's it. That's, That's too problem. much for them. Yeah. The problem That's is like it's easier to dehumanize uh, the, a cause or a situation. And you've seen it time and time again. But it's also not a coincidence because that's what people like the people in power. That's like one of their main weapons that they have. If you dehumanize 100%. your your opponent, so unquote unquote, then it's easier to kill them, get rid of them. Youth and, you know, whatever you could, whatever negative thing. And people be like, yeah, OK, it's the cause as opposed to no, right. these are people. Yeah. And to me, I don't know about y'all, but for me, one of the biggest co- like causes of action for me to get politically motivated is to hear those stories. Yeah. That's why the Black Lives Matter movement worked. Yeah. Because people were able to share their pain. We saw names associated to the crimes being committed. Mm-hmm. That's how we get action. That's how we yeah. activate because we are human beings. It is written encoded in our dna to be empathetic for each other let's not forget that when we become politically active right it's not just about the act it's about the people involved you know yeah and to bring it back to what i said with the fundraiser which is what the main purpose of the the best way to 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 handle this or to to how people can help is to help amplify these voices which is what i think it's a practical sense of like you always ask for, well, what, what is this money going to do? Or what is this fundraising or what? It really, when you get down to the, to, to the nitty gritty of it, it's essentially amplify the right people to talk about the right stuff. Exactly. And hopefully that sets a domino effect as to what Oscar just literally talked about. And let's get the right people about. in these spaces. Let's have the right people talk about these issues. So, oh, I was going to say, I have a couple uh, Instagram accounts for people to okay. follow. And I, I mean, I know there's so many more, but I, I want to like, give a shout out to these people because they have been some of the ones that I have been really, um, really happy to like read their things, I guess, because I'm like, okay, cool, great. This is exactly what I want to say, but I don't know how to say this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because I do get very, I get really emotional and really passionate about something sometimes and it's fucking hard to like not want to yell and cry and like get into it. But it's always good to to, like (laughs) throw some resources. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, America Valdez is someone that has been um, has been shedding a lot of light. Also, Jason Canela from L.A. He's an actor here. He um, him and his brother Giancarlos in Miami. um, They have really been like leaders of the movement out out in Miami and in L.A. and like, you know, really networking. I mean, I'm on I don't know how many threads I'm on right now at this point with Cubans Mm -hmm. all over. LA, which is wild. I know there were so many of us here. Uh, shout out to every single one on those threads. I mean, and <laughs> also like, like politically acti- active Cubans. Like, it's yeah. really good to see like the people that we know, people who've been featured mm-hmm. on this podcast, mm-hmm. be so yes. politically motivated. It's yes. fantastic. Yeah. Also, um, Cuba Amp is the organization that we mm-hmm. did the fundraiser for. Um, Alex Fumero is the one that kind of like put it all together. So shout out to him. He's been really good. That organization, what they are doing, they are getting people to uh, they're get grabbing they're they're grabbing the video footage from people in Cuba that is real and they're adding um subtitles and context for people to watch it because another big thing is what you guys said earlier like yeah like you can show a video on CNN or Fox News or fucking KTLA lo que sea right pero si tú no entiendes lo que te están diciendo what do you care you just see a bunch of or people or can be interpreted differently yeah mm-hmm. they can say whatever they want and it's like let's make sure that we're grabbing again the real messages because there's a lot of not real messages that are being right, being right. said out there. And then there's another one called, um, her name is Marisa Daniela, and it's Mi Ma in Cuba is her IG. She also puts a lot of stuff. Um, she's always been connecting Cuba to the, to, uh, to the, you know, America and stuff like that. So I've been following her for a while. Um, and there's so many more other people. I just think, you know, 
whatever you do, if you're listening to this and one, you have no idea what is going on. There's so many articles right now, just like read about them and like, but like, let's like make sure that like you're reading them from like a like Latino journalist or like someone that, you know, mm-hmm. like, like don't, don't pull up a, <laughs> don't pull up an article that doesn't sound like someone from Cuba or like something like that or like that knows about it is really writing it. Unfortunately, those are the ones that mm-hmm. usually get it wrong at like no shade, but it's real. Um, mm-hmm. We've just been seeing it a lot. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what else to say, I guess. <laughs> I have one more. I might just add it when we, I'll, I'll, I'll write it when we post this because it's Sally de Amarillo. She's she's an entrepreneur in Cuba, mm. but it's her handle is not the easiest. To, <laughs> we can I'll tag them. Write it. We'll, ta- yeah, we'll tag them. Yeah, exactly. we'll tag all of them, and you know. Pero mira, la marcha continua. Mm-hmm. We, we just have to keep you know steady, steady, and eyes on the prize, and also. Cafecito. Que viva Cuba Libre. To feel, si viva to Cuba feel, Libre. You know what? Instead of cafecito, let's have Cuba Libre. Cuba Libre. Ahí está. Yo tengo aquí el Bacardi. Dale. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's all-purpose cleaner cleans and kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. It can be used on hard, non-porous surfaces like the kitchen, bathroom, and other areas in your home. <sighs> Don't just clean. Lysol clean. And slurp, slurp, slurp. Me, gente, we are back with our guest today. A superstar, a fellow Cubanita from Miami. Anda, anda, anda. Okay. She's the creator and showrunner of Diary of a Future President, Second season of which is about to premiere this week on Disney Plus. Within 24 hours. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Please welcome Ilana Peña. How it's are so- you? Yay! I'm so honored. I love you guys so much. Oh my love God. You. Thank you for taking from your very busy schedule. I know you must be, you must be through, going through it. Uh, just like sort of right now. Not we we finished diary in in March, and so it's been oh, like wow. a long wait up until being really busy like this week. That's mm. a pretty good turnaround. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. quick. Oh my god! No, it was literally we cameras stopped rolling in January. We stopped post in March, and we're airing tomorrow. Disney yeah. don't oh play. Gosh. Disney don't the play. The hustle is real. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Ilana. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So you have the second season in the can. How are you feeling right now? I mean, you must be so proud, so happy, so relieved to do all that. And now it's airing tomorrow. What's going the, through your mind right now? I love saying tomorrow. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I, it's really, I, I kind of feel like I dreamed it. I honestly feel like I dreamed it because we, we were one of the first shows back in COVID and it was like, it was scary. It was another world. It was like, we didn't have any, um, like kind of other thing to look to. Mm-hmm. I did, my manager set me up with a, <clears throat> with a zoom with the Lord of the Rings showrunners who were oh. shooting in COVID in New Zealand. New and he's like, what? they'll be able to tell you. And like get, a support group? I get on a Zoom <laughs> with them and they're like, yeah, you know, it got a little bad yesterday. We had two cases in all of New Zealand. And I was like... Oh, okay, this well, is not the right... We're not, was, I cannot relate. Or like wow. a city or something. Wow. But it was, it was something so insane where I was like, okay, so we're in yeah. a different world. We can't relate. We um, can't relate. <laughs> but like, good for you. Um, but yeah, it was scary and... I'm really proud of, you know, we have everyone, you're always like, you feel like you go to war when you're shooting a show. Mm-hmm. You're like, let's get, you know, let's get on our gear and like go fight. But in this, like we genuinely were trying to keep each other alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was an extra, a little bit extra, but if we, if we did it, we and didn't how have did you it. handle the COVID team? I love the, oh my God, my friend <laughs> because, makes fun of me because you know, I'm, you're Marilich Bavaria. It's a very, and I'm yeah. only saying this because you, this is your second season and, uh, in your first season, you get used to certain, you know, you appreciate it differently for a lot of people, a lot of things that you can do <laughs> suddenly it's taken away from you and you're corralled and you don't, you know, maybe I'm just talking, maybe I'm still, maybe okay, I'm Carlos still is a little triggered right now. I feel okay. like wow. you're projecting a little, <laughs> yeah. little bit. Yeah, like this is more about you, Carlitos. We could talk later offline if you want. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. no. How was your experience? Um, uh, no, it was, I, I'm like obsessed with our COVID team. They're in the show. They're background extras in the finale. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Because they, we wanted to thank them. Dr. That's Pam. Tight. Our show doctor, shout out to Dr. Fam. He still is like my main dude. Like he's so there for me. Oh, I love I'll that. text him and I'll be like, like I went to Europe uh, with my roommate um, in June. And I like, I was like, Dr. Fam, do you think I go to Europe? Do you think it's safe? <laughs> Doc, like, what do I do? And he blessed the trip. And I'm telling you, he said, I think Delta's going to get bad. And this is your window. So go. Oh, wow. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Mira. Give him Fauci a run for his money. I mean, so, I mean, so, it's almost as if we should be listening to our doctors in a way. Doctor family to start a. Uh, it's a crazy new how science makes sense, right? <laughs> he was correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I loved our COVID team, and if you if you um, look in the finale, there's a restaurant scene, and a few of them are in the background, like sipping fake wine and. Dope. and um, now I'm for sure gonna like. That's a nice yeah. little Easter egg, and you only you heard uh-huh. it here. Maybe not I first, know, but definitely so here. Fun. First? Yeah. First? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, is that an exclusive? Look at we got an exclusive. Wow, <laughs> now your job is to get to the end of the episode and let us know which of those extras you think are part of the COVID team. That's your. That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And who's coming mm-hmm. back for season three? <laughs> right. Ooh. But not made the cut. But not. But not as COVID officers because please be gone. COVID by oh, season no. three. God. I know. <laughs> I know. Ay ay ay. Wow. My gosh. Well. Okay. So Ilana, you're from Miami. Miami. And there is a fun little thing that <laughs> Spanish Techie presents as every no, single Tony, guest. Tony. From I, Tony, the, right? I already know the answer. Tony. I do too. Oh, but the yes, I already know already. Yes. All of us Miami Cubans in LA, we, we compare where we went to high school. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, 
Oh yeah, you know the answer, and it's I not. Very, it's not. Yeah. It's not going to make anyone happy. Hey, hey, I feel out of FOMO because I don't know. Let's uh, um, wait. No, I desperately want to know. Okay. It, it was in Fort Lauderdale. Oh my God, no! <laughs> oh, She's like, no. She's, like, She's like, oh my God, you're oh. oh my God, it, it, it was, was nine. It was nine five. When my mom got remarried, my family moved from North Miami to Weston and I went to the okay. Crest. Um, uh, so, that's a nice yeah. school. They're, that's a yeah. nice school, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, uh, but yeah, so it was in Fort Lauderdale, which is a swear word to Miamians. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is it's, a Pinecrest in Miami. There is. There is. And so, that, that's the one word Pinecrest and the two word Pinecrest is, is. Yeah. Is the yeah, square there's word. a two-word pine crest and a one-word pine crest. Exactly. Yeah, there's, <laughs> pine, there's pine crest and then there's deep. pine crest. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay, okay. yeah. Make, it right. makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the confusion. Feels very dramatic with <laughs> Noela vibes. <laughs> right, right. Remember when I told you I was from pine crest, single word? <laughs> I lied. <laughs> I'm speaking of Noela vibes. Huh? <laughs> no, I was just finishing the joke. Keep going. Oh, all right. <laughs> I was going to say, when I first met you, Ilana, yeah. you were the writer's assistant at Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And you were about to become a staff writer there, right? Yeah. And I, I, I'm, can I, I'm going to say, I'm so proud of you Aww. and in awe because, like, the, to make the leap from being in the same series, writer's assistant to staff writer to then creating and show running, and now you're directing on your own show, right? Yeah. That, I need to know how, how did you make this happen? How did you make um, that leap? I still think it's that huge. they're going to be like, we made a huge mistake. No. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's, but it's tremendously successful. It's Why do we so... all think that every time? Imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Here we go. Um, no, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. Tony knows Rachel Bloom. Tony knows Aline Rosh McKenna. My boss is a crazy ex. They were... They walk the walk, you know, like when I I came on as their assistant and then they saw me as a writer, they saw me as a person, they saw me as somebody with something to say and they gave me things to say. And then they promoted me to writer's assistant. I wrote an episode with them. Um, It was like, you know, it it, it was it was a show that was very in my voice. I was very myself in that room. Mm. Um, And then for season four, I was a staff writer and when I was writer's assistant, I got agents and my agents were like, I had like a dramedy script mm. and they were like, we want more of a, like a comedy. And they were like, send us like five ideas. And so I sent them like five ideas and diary was one of the ideas. They were like, we like this president one. And I was like, okay. And then because I'm my character in my show, I was like, well, I have to write this really quickly so they don't drop me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wrote it like when I was an assistant, I would stay late in the room And I wrote Diary on Spec, like I wrote the pilot. Um, And then I, because my bosses were so amazing and nurturing, when I got staffed for season four, they carved development out of my deal, which is rare for a staff writer. It's not always the case, but because it was bosses who knew me, because it was also CBS Studios, it was the same Mm -hmm. studio. It was, Aline was like, yeah, of course. So I was able to pitch the show while on my first staff job. and I went around and I pitched it. I was with Gina Rodriguez's company at that point. Um, and I mean, it was the kind of thing like people are, were like, were your bosses supportive when you were pitching? And I was like, yeah, one time I went to go to a pitch and Aline goes, wait, you're leaving without a necklace? And called costumes and got me a necklace to complete the look. Wow. That's so real, Amazing. though. Because that's, that's something that I hear, like, 
from a lot of people that like pitch are like, it's not just your pitch. Like you're also pitching yourself, which is, oh, yeah. is very like Mindy Kaling, like uh, tweeted about that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So again, like here, you know, especially like even more, I think as a woman, because like, I feel like we, we have to do so much extra to to pitch ourselves as yeah. well. Like, it's like, like mm-hmm, no right. shade to men. You all know it. It's different. And like, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's so much more taken. work. I'm like, we get it. <laughs> no, we can handle true. it. And because, Aline, sorry. Because, no. no, I was just gonna say, because like, you know, if you wear a shirt, like, and unfortunately in this world, you might wear like a top that you think is, you know, cute yeah. and like whatever. And somebody might think it's too sexy or maybe not sexy enough for the pilot that you're doing or what, right. you know what I mean? Obviously it's Disney. So that's a different vibe than what you would be doing to like, stars or something, no, whatever. But. I wore a blazer. I really okay. went. I really went. You went. Can't go wrong. Yeah. But it's the kind of oh. thing I don't, Aline wrote the movie The Devil Wears Prada. So when, if she tells you you need a necklace, you get a necklace. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Yes. That is? I love yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. Anybody's qualified that's to tell wild. you to wow. accessorize? What's, what's missing in your outfit? So yeah. so they were amazing and and I, I was pitching it around and Disney Plus, I feel, you know, so lucky was, I didn't, it wasn't a network yet. It was like just still, you know, the thing that wasn't going to happen. And yeah. they were looking for a really specific thing. And my show fit that. And it's it's one of the only shows on Disney Plus that's not based on existing IP. I make the amazing joke that it's based on this IP. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting person. You don't have to laugh. Um, but, but so, yeah. So we pitched it and I left the Crazy X room a little early to Staff mm. Diary. Wow. So that was that was crazy. And I I was, yeah, I was like, what what am I doing? And I, I yeah. sort of to talk, can I talk about imposter syndrome? You for, can talk about oh, that. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. No, this is so important. You're because so many people like are Don't like realize. looking well, up to you and, and, and so few people yeah. talk about, it, especially in, in positions of power yeah. that still go through it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, I, was, I mean I was scared to talk about it. I was scared. I like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they gave the first season, I was a little bit like, okay, they gave like a baby the keys to the van and she doesn't know how to drive. Like, <laughs> but I, but I knew how to, but I was getting to the place yeah. and I was, I was going there and I was like going over all the hills and potholes. I'm going to stick to this metaphor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, but when you got the parallel parking. That's hard. I now we're talking. <laughs> that's baby or adult. No, um, parallel parking is the finale. <laughs> that's, that's when we, that's the series finale. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I was so, I, I thought that there was something that like I needed, like a like something I needed to do this job. And I realized, and the meta thing about it is like, if you had told 12-year-old me you're going to have your own show, she would have been like, yeah, and it's on Disney. And we're on oh. Broadway. And oh. you have a, you have like a, a column in the Miami Herald. I used to want a column in the Miami Herald. Oh, yes. What? And, like, and Miami New Times. <laughs> she'd be like, she'd be like, yeah, of course. But then if you had told like 20-year-old me, she would have been like, no. No, like, I'm not good enough. There's people in my writing classes that are funnier and smarter. And so, like, making this show and the fact that it's about 12, 13-year-old me, it's been very meta, connecting with past me. and like, Yeah, cathartic. It's a cathartic yeah, process. Exactly. Yeah. And getting that girl back and being like, yeah, I meant to do this because I'm doing it. And oh, when yeah. I, like, had that mindset shift, it made me a better boss. It made me a better writer. Mm. It, it made me. It made me be like, oh, I can direct, and I didn't feel like I, I like raised my hand and I was like, I want to do this, and mm. it was that was something that I don't think I would have even considered. In se- I didn't consider it in season one. So, mm. um, channeling my younger self, I think, really helped me wow. to kind of break through that. 
Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, but and it's very oh true. And you're not afraid when you're younger. Like that's that's no, the, the thing that you have to hold on to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just have to remind ourselves who we were back when we really thought the sky was the limit, and we had yeah. endless. Po- you know, it is so true, Alana. Thank you so much for speaking on that because people forget. I know people it, forget. People lose uh, uh, lose out of touch with their with their dreams when they were younger. Yeah. Because you know you're right. Reality beats them out of people, <laughs> but it's still there. I w- the twelve year old us is still in there. I want to say also. Listen, I think that everybody from Miami, no matter how shy or anything they are, there's a little. There's just like this like Miami confidence that we all have inside of us. Swagger. <laughs> To be fair, yeah. I, I realize mine sometimes is a little out of control for no reason. But <laughs> Raja has the opposite problem. No. I'm like, no, no, I do, I do, I do think that. Like sometimes like I'll be like, all right, fuck it, bitch, you're from Miami. And then I'm like, get into it. Like, that's the mon- that's, that's a mantra. That's a, a Miami mantra. That. <laughs> yeah. you're from Miami. Yeah. I'm like, fuck it. None of these motherfuckers here are from Miami. They don't fucking know Miami. <laughs> Why is that the thing? But whatever. Like, I do feel like, and I've talked to some other like Miami actor, comedian friends, and they're like, yeah, like sometimes I do feel that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I thought it was just me being well, weird. <laughs> the confidence it took us to drive down 95, I think can prepare us. <laughs> I mean, truly for oh. anything. Yeah. I love that this metaphor coming back. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. and full circle. I see what you did yeah. there. I, what you did. I did. Yeah. And, okay, so so speaking of Miami and you know the craziness um, that we grew up in that we mm-hmm. love, um, uh, you have a Cuban. You know, it's it's based on a Cuban girl, a Cuban family. Um, mm-hmm. How much of your Cuban, your personal Cuban family and friends, um, had inspired the characters? Because Sometimes it's directly like, this is my tia. Yeah. This character is 100% my tia. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes is this character is all four of my tias put amount, together. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, how much of that came from your personal family and friends? Yeah. Well, it was, it's my family and friends, but also as this season sort of evolved <laughs> and myself. Yeah. Um, it was also the writers and the, what they brought mm. to the table. And we had oh. a really, you know, a bunch of Cuban writers, a bunch of Latinx writers, um, so Elena, Elena's me. I'm, I'm, I'm Elena. It's, okay. She's cooler. She's honestly cooler than I was. I was like a huge <laughs> tweet. Um, she's very cool. She's very cool. She's so, and Tess, who plays Elena, is like leagues cooler than I am now. So um, the teens will save us all. Um, the, the brother, my brother, is, Bobby's based on my brother. Um, Bobby's the character. He has a whole coming out journey. My brother is not queer, but my bro- the relationship between the brother and sister and how he's so resistant to talk to her and, and how he sort of like learns to open up to her mm. is really inspired by my relationship with my brother. We are like night and day. I am mm. this. He is a computer science PhD mm. student who's very mm. inward. Um, and so th- this season and season two, we really explore their dynamic and, and it was really... I'm excited, you know, for my brother to see it because it really is kind of like a love letter to our relationship. Um, Gabby, so my dad was born in Cuba. My mom is Jewish American. So Gabby is like, she's kind of a combination of um, my Jewish mother because I think Jewish mothers and Cuban mothers have a lot in common. Oh, yes. yes. And I like so much. And I know this also because the other thing she's a combo of is my tia. Uh, my Cuban Tia. And so she's kind of like my Jewish mother, my Cuban Tia, and my Cuban grandmother. And she's sort of like all, and, and honestly, me. 
because I remember when I was when I was writing Gabby, I was like, I was like, oh, am I going to be able to write about like write a Latina woman? Like I can write a Latina girl. And then I was like, wait a second, I am one. <laughs> I forget. I, I, forget I have to get on Craigslist and try to figure out somebody if I could talk to somebody. <laughs> I call myself girl all the time, oh. and I'm like, girl, you are not girl anymore. <laughs> No, and I, I was like, I was like, okay, like I got the twelve year old down, and then I'm like, oh, but like I am like a woman in the world, like yeah, right back. So it's that too, and then there is, um, I'm sure y'all saw in the Heights, the amazing Olga Medeiros is yes. our grandmother, yeah. um, our nyanye, very much based on my nyanya, which is oh. also the Cuban grandmother, but she's more in, she's also the nyanye, um, but she's also. Uh, one of our writers, Jess Gonzalez, sort of like conceived of this. So she's kind of a combination of my nyanya and Jess's abuela. Um, so it's and it's it's cool. It's like and as you have a writer's room and have you have multiple seasons, like, you know, it's someone's like, oh, my mom used to say that. And we put it in there or yeah. someone's like, this is something that we used to do. And it's it's this like amazing, lovely mix of so many people's experiences. And there is you know, specificity. There's universality in that specificity. So. 100%. And yeah. it welcomes the viewer in. Yeah. We recognize these yeah. and then we feel like we're a part of this family, yeah. you know? And that's why it's like, it feels authentic. If these All these characters don't feel like cartoons. Because you know what I mean? Like, I've grown up watching so many Latinx shows that feel cartoons yeah. and mm-hmm. heightened versions of the Latinx experience. But this one feels so real in a way that it's like i don't feel being talked down to i don't mm. feel condescend i don't i'm they're not trying to like teach me yeah. latinx culture it Mm-mm. just is that's Tamp- just the basis grounded reality and i'm tampoco, i'm a part of this tampoco they're not like throwing it in your face you know like sometimes like, it's like yeah. okay oh my god this yeah. is a well, latino family is. latino family latino families only yeah. latino food they god forbid right. they have pizza like i'm right. like you know what i mean the telenovelas <laughs> like on in the background and yeah. like they're talking about castro at like every meal and it's like, yeah <laughs> i mean the castro thing's kind of true but i yeah. I, I do think like that was really i, I was once on a, i saw gloria calderon kellett on a panel and she was like i don't wake up every morning and say like another day is a Latina like yeah. she wakes up and she's like what do I have to do today and like who do I have to see and like what and and I when I was 12 years old especially 13 now it's like life is so rich and full and just mm. because just because I'm from somewhere doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to explore that richness and fullness mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's what I'm glad you feel that way because that's what we what we strive for yeah. Aww, yeah. Lovely. I love that. I love that about shows. Like that's one one thing for sure. Even if it's not even just like it's like when you same thing, you watch a all Asian cast or like a all black whatever. Yeah. Like when they don't just throw it in your face, I'm like, oh, this is this well, is it's not it's great. stuff like this. Well, <laughs> I, I do have to speak on this because it does feel like when there is a show that feels like condescending or like it just feels like yeah. a lesson. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're teaching you about off. the Latinx experience. And then in my mind as a viewer, I'm like, well, then is this show really for me, someone who's Latinx, or is it for white people yeah. trying yeah. to learn what it means right. to be Latinx? And your show does not do that. Your show is mm-hmm. gonna be like, this is my reality, this is my experience, but this question, is for Google everyone. It. If you this have is a, a show question, for Google everyone. it. It's so <laughs> I, well, yeah. I, that's, I I feel that way about the the Cuban stuff. I also feel that way like elena uses big words and i remember in the in like the pilot she used a word and like it was it was like oh are people gonna know what that word means and i'm like then they'll look it up and learn a word like Mm. that's isn't that why we engage in content at all Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. to hear the word croqueta and then like if you don't know what that is instead of like 
a croqueta is. Like, just look it up and then go get one. Exactly. We don't need a show Honey, do with we have actual a footnotes. In we don't know. Any croquettes? <laughs> That's all they this have. This is the dancers, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, Alana, I want to ask you, what was your... Uh, did you always want to be a writer when you grew up? Like, how did you get into writing in the first place? Um, I, I mean, I wanted that column in the Miami Herald. Sure. Um, Which column? But I, I, wanted, I you know this. Which column was it? Yeah, like, did what you did want you? to be the writer of the column? Yes. So, okay. Anavesiana Suarez, I think it's Anavesiana Suarez. If I'm wrong, you can fact check me. But there is a, there was a Latina woman who had a column and my mom was obsessed with her. And I was like, I literally, it was the closest thing I could think of to TV because I didn't know that what TV, like that people could make a living in TV. Mm-hmm. So I was like, a weekly writing job, like where I will write something every week and that will get, people will read it. Like that was just where my mind went. I was like, I'll be an author and I'll act in plays and I'll have a column. Oh my <laughs> anyway. God. I mean, um, that checks out. Yeah. I was a theater, I was a theater kid um, as a surprise to nobody. Okay. Uh, you heard it so, here first, everybody. I feel like that's perfect for Crazy X, though, as well. Yeah, like you oh have to God. like you have to love theater. The Venn diagram of that was perfect for the, yeah. the jokes that I pitched and that made it into Crazy X are like the most niche. Like there's a whole joke oh that I that's in there about um, how in a chorus, like, no one will get it. How in a chorus line, the character Zach is sometimes a voice and sometimes an actor, and I just like. It was something I like vomited out just because it made me laugh and like it made it into the show. Like that's the kind of like I just was like, that's a thing on my mind. Anyway, so the theater came. Um, I did a bunch of plays, but I was always like writing. I was always writing and I was always reading. Um, and it was sort of like because I didn't know I, I, I didn't know that what a showrunner was. I didn't know what went behind making TV. I sort of, it didn't, not until college, I went to college for theater, went Mm -hmm. to Northwestern, um, and I, you know, I was like rolling around the floor for acting class and loving it, honestly. (laughs) Um, Been there. (laughs) We've all, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took playwriting, I took a couple playwriting classes and I was like, oh, I love this, like Mm -hmm. this is, this is special, this is cool. And I directed my first play and I just was kind of like feeling the water and then I did... I got into this two-year program where every um, quarter we did a different kind of writing. So we did like feature film, short film, playwriting, and then fall senior year was TV. And it was kind of this like coalescence of everything that I loved because it was like, it had what I loved about obviously writing, but also the collaboration of theater and the character drivenness of like a good play and how you get to keep coming back, like the series of books that I would read and like the mm-hmm. column that I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was like, I'm obsessed with this. Like, and, and, and it felt so, it was like, I had this, this kind of ethereal image of like me as an artist. And then when I learned what TV writing was, I had like a, I knew what my, my desk looked like. You know what I mean? Like it became, mm, right. it also like my type A personality and like deadlines. And I was like, oh, you can get paid for it. And you can, you know, go to meetings and send emails and document like so lame, but it's, it like That's where you're thriving. Everything. You're thriving in that. I mean, you're literally visually manifesting this <laughs> at such a young age as well. Like you're continuously like just, you know, because it's not it's just like you're like say you kept wanting it and wanting it. And like, I think that's a really cool thing because so many people, you know, it takes us a long time sometimes to figure out what the fuck we want to do, even when we're studying 100%. something. And I think that's also like totally amazing and great. Yeah. And, and one thing that I love 
One thing that I love about the show that I created. Um, <laughs> Objectively uh, speaking. Uh, have you heard of the show, Diary? Um, one thing that I, I, I appreciate about Diary is that it's not a show about a girl who wants to be president. It's mm. not like she prints out a giant chart and it's like steps to being president and every episode she checks off a box. Like she doesn't know. She doesn't know because so many people don't know. And her life could go a thousand different ways before she ends up at the White House. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like excited to be able to explore all of those twists and turns because it's okay to not know. And it's okay. And it's okay to change your mind. I moved to New York before LA because I didn't know anything. Mm. And I, I lived there nine months. And I like, and a lot of people were like, you're not giving it a year. And I was like, I'm changing my mind. Like I want to go to LA Mm -hmm. and like being okay and living in that. So so yes, like things happened. I was a precocious kid, but I also, <laughs> I, I like, I, I gave myself the freedom to change my mind, to like drop out of acting class and to be like, I am sorry, I will not roll on the floor anymore. Yeah. Um, no, and, and to, to, to sort of go after it and um, let it like come to me too. So so yeah, um, that's the thing I love about Jire. <laughs> yeah, normalize changing your mind. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you for our listeners because like, you know, again, like a lot of there's there's not just like Latine people that, you know, look up to you and, and other writers that are Latine, but like what is something that I guess advice wise that you would give um, anybody that is trying to, you know, follow your career? Like you, 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 you just said how, you, you know, you started as the assistant and you got you know, mm-hmm. you, you little by little went up and up and now you have these amazing mentors that are like, they have your back and, and now you have your own show season two. Like, what is some advice that you could give to someone that, you know, might just be starting or might be like close to like ready to get that assistant job? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I like practically, I would say, I think when I was an assistant, I was freaking out that I had to have like a million things written because at any given moment, someone could be like, let me see it. And I say this in like the kindest possible way. Like you don't need to have that yet. Like like you can have your one passion project, but like focus on building relationships, meeting people, living life, doing things. Don't just sit in your room and write like 20 pilots because no one's going to read 20 pilots. Someone will read one. And when by the time they ask you, you want to get to a point where somebody can ask you for it. And if you're sitting in your room all day, no one's going to know to ask you for it. Mm, (laughs) So like live life, like go to, I mean, and when COVID's over, go to parties, like meet people, like get out there, go to museums, like get things to write about. That's like my practical absorb because, because I, I, when I got signed by my agents, I had my crazy act episode, but all I had, that was my own. I mean, all I had, I had some stuff, but I had that dramedy script. I had a 10 minute play and I had a personal essay about my Cuban grandfather. Those were like the three. And they weren't even like all TV. It was yeah. like my grandpa died and he was a complicated, arrogant Cuban man. And I yeah. decided to write about it, um, you know. And so I just think like like and on that note, I think I also felt like there was something that Hollywood. I, I was like, what does Hollywood want me to be? Like, I kind of had that because mm-hmm. I was like, what is who do I who should I be? Like, what does Hollywood want me to be? What is a what is a female TV writer look like? What does a Latina TV writer look like? What does Hollywood want me to be? And it was when I finally realized, and this is so corny, but it was when I realized that thing was myself that I was like, oh, and it like became so, it was like an exhale. Mm. I was like, I can, and that's when I wrote Diary, honestly. And I wrote it not knowing what Disney Plus was, not knowing 
what would sell. I just like wrote my story. I wrote yeah. something that I would have wanted to see that I did want to see that made me laugh. Um, and, and that's like, I was, and, and it doesn't have to be an autobiography, but if it has, like, I think that this industry really rewards authenticity and mm. being able to say like, Oh, only you could tell that story. So mm-hmm. tell it. Hell yeah. Right. Oh, this I is love great that. advice, not only yeah. for writers, but for actors, for anybody in the arts. Is the whole thing about like, instead of going outward, going inward, I think mm-hmm. is definitely because yeah. you can say be authentic and people could still be like, well, how? Where do I look for that? Mm-hmm. Instead right. of, you know what I mean? They still won't right. get it, but that's yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. I have I one question because I think we have to go, right? Yeah, we got to go. What five. are the odds of a, of a Disney Plus uh, shared universe? Uh, <laughs> What? Is that too much? I'm a ready shared for this universe. Question. Uh, uh, a cinema, a uh, Disney Plus diary of uh, <laughs> what? Uh, of a future Mandalorian? What are you, are you no, trying to do a crossover? Because he's writing the show and it's Disney and there could be a shared universe of different, like, uh, like a Peñaland is what I'm asking. Oh, oh my God, Peñaland. Okay, but yes. now, but earlier you were bailing on me. I Y'all didn't understand. I just didn't. I don't, I didn't, I don't, I don't I thought you were. I don't right, know what well Disney then. universe means. We just. <laughs> I, a shared That was an incredibly universe. roundabout way of asking, is there going to be a Peñaland? Or like a ride. Sh- or like a ride, I was like, an experience. I was going through the Disney. I was like, oh, I'll just use the Peñaland. That'll be uh, I like. I like the idea of a ride. Like, what is it? Like an oval office? where you like travel on little diaries. I like that. <laughs> um, I literally thought you meant like, is the Cañero Reed family going to like adopt baby Yoda? And I was like, yeah, yeah no, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean like uh, all of the your own carved out universe. Oh, so I mean, things that, that sounds good. Spawn from this. Here's the thing. And I mean this with all, like to all of your amazing listeners. Um, <laughs> I, I am so, I'm so proud of this show in this season. And I really would love eyeballs on it and people to watch it and tell their friends so that we get a season three. Yes. And a Penuland, but so that we get a season three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One step at a time. One step at a yeah. time. I get it. One step at a time. We gotta, we gotta have the third season before your own world. Yeah. Um I just I, I really would love to keep telling this story and then the so our cast and crew are so incredible. And um on this on podcast verse on Earwolf Land, um I just wanna, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's a show that kids can enjoy, but it's not a kid's show. And yeah. I really, I think this season is, is one of the, I laughed so hard making this season. So I, I think people will laugh really hard. I think it's funny and sorry if this is tacky. I just want people to watch. No. Why is that no. tacky? That's what you're no. talking to us. No. We're trying to get people with eyeballs <laughs> on the show. What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You like to think that it's we, just hey, like, oh, we know what we're doing here, Elena. We know what we're doing here. We yeah. know what we're doing here. <laughs> um, okay. Well, with that said, everybody, make sure you watch Diary of Future President on Tomorrow. Disney. Yes. Hey Siri, remind me to watch the t- yeah. Siri to remind you. <laughs> Siri, Alexa, everybody, remind yeah. me. Google everybody. Yeah, that's very uh, elitist. I'm sorry. Oh my, I just said Alexa, my little thing just went off. Uh, the <laughs> light. <laughs> um, uh, before we go, I would love for you to plug all things for you, for anything else coming up, any, you know, anything else, your handles, and um uh also quick. Shout out to your eyebrows because they be on point. And um, I just, I wanted to mention that earlier and then I forgot. And then we just got the into another conversation. The listeners are missing out. 
But I'm like, everybody check out her IG and give her some eyebrow love because I'm obsessed (laughs) with like eyebrows and they're really good. So I have to give you a compliment. Okay, that's another example of of holding on to your middle school self because I hated these when I was 12. I I hated my big bushy eyebrows. I loved them. I tweezed them. And now it's like, I these are quarantine. I haven't touched these in two years. So the lesson. Um, uh, (laughs) But if you want to see the eyebrows in the flesh, um, I am on... I have, God, all my handles are like kind of jokey because I guess I never really imagined I'd have to be plugging them professionally. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Lonstagram, L-A-N-stagram. Okay. Um, that is a joke in 2012. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Alana Cubana. That was also made kind of like tongue-in-cheek and I'm really glad I sagged it. That one's cute. Um, I like that. That works. Um, yeah, I love, that. I love that handle. I'm never going to get rid of that one. Um, and then watch the show. I've got other projects cooking, but nothing is real yet. But um, keep a lookout and, and tell your friends. What? CBS? You have I a... guess. Yeah, a few things in the works. Tony, he doesn't, she doesn't want to talk about it, Tony. Well, Why no, it's, it's pitch season. So it's like nothing is real, but there's every, you know, when it's like everything's happening, but nothing is happening. That's yeah. sort of what, mm-hmm. what things are right now. So it's like, you know, we'll see. Uh, but yes, with CBS and some movie stuff. And I'm just so... Excited to be able to come on here and, and laugh with you guys. I've, I'm such big fans of all of you individually mm. and collectively. Oh, thank, thank you. you so thank you so much for thank doing you. the podcast. Everybody makes... This was so incredible. Thank you again so much for taking the time yeah. to thank talk you. with us. Yes, and everybody make sure you follow her and watch mañana. Mañana, tomorrow. Mañana, mañanita. Um, and everyone, you guys can also follow us at Spanish Aki Presents on IG, at Spanish Aki on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Raisa Licea. And you can follow me at, of course, it's Carlos on Instagram. You can follow me at Ozzymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O, on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Diary of a Present Croquette. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, Tony. You know what, Tony? I'm going to give it to you. Tony, you that's did, incredible. You really did it. You really did it this time. I'm actually going to go change my handles right now. From They are currently at the Tony Roderick, but look out for the one I just said. Ilana, thank you so much. You're such a delight. You. So excited you. for you. Yes. Um, And, ugh. Just sending a big hug. <laughs> big hugs to all of you. Thank you for everything. Hey. Dale. Spanish Aki Presents is an Earwolf production executive produced by me, Raisa, Tony, Carlos, and Oscar. It's engineered by Jordan Duffy and produced by Anita Flores. You can follow us on social media on Instagram at Spanish Aki Presents and Spanish Aki on Twitter. Find our latest merch at potswag.com and especially look out for the Spanish Aki Presents enamel pin set featuring all of our beautiful faces. Yeah, and help us get the word out by telling a friend about the show today. Make sure to rate and review Spanish Aki Presents and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Want more Spanish Aki Presents? Find our full archive and ad-free episodes on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code SAP for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. Spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.